Article 15. Here at Article 15, we are attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. We speak to everyday veterans with everyday issues for veterans acclimating back to civilian life. Today, we have Pedro Aliman, who served in the United States Army and is currently still serving. Pedro is a staff sergeant in the United States Army. He is a 25 Bravo and 25 Union. He's been serving 14 years, has done three deployments, been to Iraq and Kuwait. And I want to give a big staff sergeant Aliman for coming on Article 15. Welcome aboard, brother. Appreciate being here, brother. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. I told you I was going to stumble through that one a little bit. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> so United States Army staff sergeant, 14 years, brother. If you want to give us kind of a brief one over, uh, first up, I'm Navy. So when I hear 25 Bravo and 25 Union, I have absolutely no idea what that means. Okay. So if you want to give us, we could start there, kind of give us a heads up on what you do in the Army and okay. then kind of give us a brief one over about the uh, your service so far. Again, like you said, I'm a staff sergeant in the United States Army. I've been in for 14 years. Uh, September will actually be my 15th year that I've been in the service. I started my career as 13 years actually being in the reserves um, and got picked up on this program called AGR Active Guard Reserve. So basically I'm active duty working for a reserve unit because that's where I got picked up in the, in the component. I tell folks, don't let the beard fool you. Yes, I am <laughs> serving just, you know, COVID stuff, work from home kind of instances, you know, playing it safe. So uh, I do do my stuff and due diligence and clean up accordingly when I go to work. So, but yeah, going on 15 years, you know, and as far as with occupation wise for my MOS, so 25 Bravo, 25 uniform, it's basically uh, the 25 Bravo side is a systems information analyst and operator or with my job title here, it's a senior network, uh, network NCO. So basically on the IT side of the house, whereas the 25 uniform side, it's a signal, it's a signal support specialist. But again, a senior, I think this one is like the senior uh, radio uh, radio operator or something, whichever. Basically, I work on radios. So like my fancy, my, it's a fancy way of saying, basically, I work for Geek Squad at Radio Shack. So <laughs> it's like the easiest people ask me, like when I tell them, they're like, so wait, what does that mean? I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm your friendly neighborhood Geek Squad at Radio Shack guy. So <laughs> you're the IT guru. For the most part, I just know how to push the restart button at the appropriate time or just walk in the room and everything starts working and have that face, that look on my face like, yeah, it just needed me here. Or I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> Everybody remember this voice. So when you call your Comcast or local cable people and they just laugh at you and tell you, turn it off for two minutes and then turn it back on, this will be that person. I'm telling you, it's like, and just remember, hey, we we mean well when we do it. We mean well. We don't mean any dis any bad disrespect or whatever. But it is funny though at times where it's like we get so much hate because it's one of the biggest things. It's like I could have just done it myself. I'm like, okay, well, can you restart it and turn it back on? And when they do it and it works, they just the the amount of like just bad mouthing in the background. I'm like, do you remember oh. the Jimmy Fallon Saturday Night Live skit? And he would just come in and he would be the IT guy. And oh, every no. time he would fix it, it would always be, you're welcome. 
<laughs> I might start using that. Just might start going with that. You're welcome. Just with the just general services and whatnot. <laughs> so this actually kind of makes more sense now that your videos are so amazingly just wonderful. So Pedro and I met how grown men meet nowadays on TikTok. Yeah. And uh, he <laughs> is, his handle is Pops, P-O-P-Z as in zebra. Don't make fun of me. I'm still a cop, so I have to use Z. Yeah. Yeah, underscore nine five one. So it's pops underscore nine five one. Five hundred something thousand followers. I think uh, you're at. I think right now I I I think I may have hit like five hundred and thirty eight five hundred thirty eight thousand followers. That's so amazing, like, and I'm still or, surprised you don't have that blue check yet. You know what? I, that's a common question I get asked a lot. A lot of folks ask me about that. And I found some information. I got some info in regards of how that works. I guess for folks to get verified, they have to have like an outstanding TikTok will recognize it based off of like Facebook or off of Instagram. So if you have a substantial following on those platforms, then they'll be like, hmm, OK, then we might do it because I've, I've been hit up with like these spam bots and saying like, hey, we considered you verify you. Here's our stuff. And then there was a person that was on TikTok. I've been, because I've even tried to reach out to these verified folks and ask them how to happen. But there's only one person that I've been able to get in touch with. She was like, well, basically what happens is TikTok will just do it on its own. Uh, it's not one of these things where they'll notify you or tell you it's, or they'll reach out to ask for info. They'll just do it. And then you'll wake up the next day or whatever, if you go to sleep or refresh your desk day and you're verified. So I, I have a hard time believing that. I feel like there's a little bit more communication. But to each his own, you know. I got you. So, yeah, guys, definitely check out his page. It got me very, very uh, involved on TikTok. I was talking with Pedro just before this about the, the video where he went from showing his tattoos and his, his piercings and uh, a little bit of a, an insane side, which I really <laughs> did. And slowly but surely, he wound up putting on his uniform and carrying the national ensign there. And uh, playing the Viking music in the background. So if you've heard, seen this video, that's who we're talking to right now. And I, I, I want to thank it, everything that you have done on both in the in the military and outside the military. You showed true professionalism and leadership. You know, in a, in a, in something that is so chaotic as TikTok is. You'll see guys completely in uniform. You'll see guys halfway in uniform. Some people were getting upset with girls dancing in uniform and guys doing this and guys doing that. And you still, you keep with your content. You, you show great professionalism. I, I greatly respect what you do. Bringing up, as we talked to, uh, talked about the young Marines kid that came on, trying to bring awareness to what he's doing and being proud of what he is. And man, I was so proud of that kid yeah. when he told me that, or when he put out there that he, he made that ranking. And I was like, Yes, this is going to be great. And a, a lot of people were showing him, I guess, shade or hate or whatever it was. And you came in, man, as a leader should, and you stuck up for him. And I really appreciate it. Do you guys still talk? Yeah. So I've I, I messaged him from time to time. Uh, again, like I said, occasionally we'll, I'll send a message, check and see how he's doing and whatnot. But like, I'll even check his profiles to see what's going on with his content and what he has going on. And I'll still see, like, from time to time, some folks actually throwing shade at them. So I'm, my brain is like, ay, yeah, yeah, like, okay, these guys really need to cut back because then, like, I have a, I have a mouth. So I, I may seem like this nice, calm, collect kind of guy and things like that, but I do have a mouth on me, obviously, when it comes to certain aspects. One of the biggest ones, again, like I said, with him, 
is because, like you said, he, he's a kid showing support. Because I, I used to do uh, JROTC when I was in high school, mm-hmm. you know, and I used to get those questions up saying like, hey, are you in the service? Why are you wearing that uniform? Or thank you for your service. Because like when I would go to school, I would actually walk to school. Like I used to walk from my high school. I think my high school was like probably a couple, like, couple miles away from the house. And I would walk from my house to to my school in uniform, you know, in backpack because we used to have our every Wednesday we get cleaned up in our classes and um, or our greens or whatever, get ready, cleaned up real nice, and then we walk like I would walk to school and I get people pull over say something or I get people that'll ask me questions like if I had to swing by the store to grab something whatever. So when I saw him, I had a lot of compassion for him because it's like I understand that feeling and the fact that this social media platform that we're on nowadays where it's like you have just a bunch of grown folks that would just click and go before they even like have an opportunity to watch the whole thing through. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've been, I've, I've fallen victim to doing that myself or fallen chaos to, to doing that myself where I'll see a video kind of have an immediate reaction to it and not fully watch it through, but then I'll pause, take a minute, watch the clip all the way through or go back to the source and then figure out what's happening there. So like when I saw somebody with that comment about to, to this kid, to uh, his name, Jake, to him and all the other comments that followed it, it stirred something in me because one, it's like this kid is doing something he's proud of himself. Like he's really proud of himself and he, he wanted to come on here and show it because like he's the only youngster that I've ever seen on TikTok that actually shows what he does for JRTCO for this, uh, for this uh, young, uh, young Marines organization. And show the pride that he has in it like it reminded me of when i was a kid it reminded me when i was his age and everything when i was in high school and coming because i come i grew up in a military family so my father's in the service as well too he's actually a master in the army right now still you know and so yeah <laughs> so uh, i remember you know waking up and like getting my uniform squared away in the evening time on tuesday nights him inspecting my uniform telling me what i needed to adjust the next morning putting my uniform on him going through it, looking at what how, how I looked, uh, telling me to adjust this and clean up. I was ready for basic before I even left high school. Put it that way. Yeah. yeah. And so, and seeing how much, remembering how much pride I had in him myself when I was his age, you know, I, I just I was happy for this kid. And so I had to say something because, you know, it's one thing you can come at a grown adult, fine. Hey, talk your smack to a grown adult. Comments are common. But when you're coming up to a 15 year old kid, 15, 16 year old kid, saying all this nasty stuff. You know, and not even paying attention to what the whole premise is. Like he even says, like, because I remember that video too. It was him talking about he was going up for the young marine, uh, young marine of the year board, and he was yeah. excited. He, oh, you can see, he was so excited about it. He had so much enthusiasm about it and whatnot. And then all the hate that came from it. And I'm like, are you, are you, are you kidding me? Like this youngster is going to be the type he's going to be the, the future of future of the services like that kid, he's going he's going to be a master sergeant himself man he's yeah. he's going to be he's going to be out there oh yeah he's he'll be sergeant major of the army uh sergeant major of the marines or army or whatever no matter that right there is a face the, the you know the face of the uh forces the future of the forces yeah and you know, that's how people like like put those kids down to not want to do something that they're proud of because it's like if you got all these folks, we talk about being a brotherhood. We talk about being a family, you know, you know, have a brotherhood, sisterhood and everything, all the services. But yet you're going to give some kid some flack because he's showing pride in something and wearing a uniform that is donated to these organizations by service yeah. members. 
all these BDUs, all these, uh, like for the Army side, all these class A's, B's, and C's, and everything like that, you know, all these different styles of uniforms, they're donated to these organizations, to these like schools and everything like that. And these folks are jumping on a kid because he's proud of what he does. And it literally and legitimately explains the young Marines. And then he had that, that was the bad part that he he actually sat there and explained it and tried to explain to people. He's like, no, I'm not claiming to be in the Marines. I'm in the Young Marines. It's an organization, X, Y, and Z. And people were still jumping at it. Like, yeah, this is a buddy. I, I don't know. I'm sorry, man. But, you know, with people like you and the rest of the, you know, our, our community, yeah. the guys who are there to support, I think with people like that, going forward will will let at least him know that there will always be haters but there is a good group of people that you got to find and that 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 strikes true in every military branch i know that i found myself to become part of that that e4 mafia the the infamous e4 mafia the um the barracks lawyers if you will oh yeah <laughs> who, who, you know, are bro vets and whatever that they're like, oh, you know, wait, wait till your first day or wait till you get your first year done and your boots won't be so shined up. Like, you know what, man, S- set those standards. And if you do now today, you have standards for yourself like that kid does. He looks very organized. He's ready to rock and roll. There's some people in this world. And like you said, that kid is going to be sergeant major of, of some branch or, you know, uh, whatever uh the yeah. chief the uh, master master chief petty officer of the navy whatever <laughs> it is he's he's gonna be something big in the military and i yeah. was i was so proud of him man when he came on he was so excited i was like man i remember when i made him five i was so excited about that and oh i i, I could yeah, and just like you're saying man remembering back when you i didn't do rotc or anything like that but i remember coming up in the in the navy and just being excited anytime i made a rank like yeah. i'm gonna change the world <laughs> and then like, I yes, got a little some work got left over and they're like hey uh we need you on detail i was like like all right here we go <laughs> What what kind of benefits do you feel that you have gotten from being in the military? Like, obviously, a, a strong sense of leadership and uh, structure is obviously there. Anything else that stands out to you? Yeah, well, so so when it goes also also goes back to like personal upbringing and everything. Because again, like I said, I, I grew up in a military house. You know, my father's been in the military pretty much all my life. He's actually looking at, to the point where he's actually getting ready to retire now. So well over 30 plus years that my dad, my, my dad's been in the military. Uh, so growing up in the military household, you you learn a lot of stuff. You know, you, you learn a lot of things. You see a lot of things along the way. But I think I, what I love about, even with my experience of being in the service as well, it's that development like of that camaraderie, the development of the connections with folks and things like that. And then just also to the different styles of mentorship that I've been able to get from different NCOs and different leadership. I had my mentorship initially started from my dad. He not only, you know, raised me in the aspect of being a son, but when I joined the military, he checked me as an NCO. He checked me as an off-commissioned officer talking to another soldier, like a lower enlisted soldier, like, hey, you need to get right. Here's what you need to do. I'm gonna help you, but you have to make the like you have to make those instances to move forward yourself. You know, one of one of the biggest things my dad always used to tell me it was the military is only temporary. You know, you can be in it as long as you want until you decide to get out, but the military is only temporary. So what you do right now and the time and the everything you do right now, you have to look at it in the aspect of what you can do once you get out. So my my his biggest thing is, you know, think about what you're planning on doing when you get out in five years, you know, or 10 years or 20 years. TikTok. You know? Yeah, I know, right? And who'd have thought I'd be on TikTok? 
Like, I'll be honest, like, I credit my sister and I always coined my sister for this because she was the one who got me into it. I swore up and down. I like, like, there was no tomorrow. I'm like, I am not. There's no way in hell I am ever going to get on this damn app and start doing videos. <laughs> and she would send it to me all the time. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what the hell's the point? And I'm like, this is funny. She goes, get a TikTok, get a TikTok. I'm like, I can't. Like, I just can't bring myself to do it. And and I'll, I'll talk about that part, like how I got into it a little bit later. But like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. So, but yeah, going back, um, I had my influence from my dad. And at the same time, growing up in a military family, you're going to grow up around military all your life. So seeing the different NCOs that I've ever come across, seeing the different enlisted soldiers that I've ever come across and things like that, my dad's interactions with them, their interactions with one another, their connections with one another, I grew to like that. I grew to appreciate it because like the way that they are with each other, they have a stronger connection. Like I didn't understand why they would say, like, look at each other like family until I joined. You know, once I join, I can guarantee you, I can tell you for like straight, straight fact that the connection, like especially the connection between my, me and my father, me and my dad, it, it got so much more solidified, you know, growing up, like growing up was like, we had our rough times, of course, and everything like that. But once I joined, I understood, like, why were you like this? I understood the mentality he was in. I understand the, the, the pressure he was going under. He was uh, seeing, I understood what it was like to have to leave the family for months on end, you know, for, you know, different things and different things, not wanting to have to go, but having to go. But also too, I understood why I can look at a complete stranger that I've never met in my life and call them a brother or call them a sister. You know, why I can say I trust this person with my life before I trust that person in my life. Why I have a stronger connection with this person than some of my family, you know? Family's always going to be there. But again, like that saying goes, family's not always blood. So I, I started, that's like one of the biggest things. And then also too, I didn't know that at the same case in point, my mentor didn't always have to be my dad, that it can always be another person. Like there's someone I can learn from. There's someone that can learn from that's older than me. And even then my mentor doesn't have to be someone that's older than me. They can actually be younger because people tend to forget, like I've had soldiers that I've worked with. Soldiers, I've come across soldiers, I've come across sailors, Marines, airmen, coasties, and cadets. <laughs> guardians. Guardians. Um, yeah, guardians. I've come across different folks in different branches and everything that I've learned something and I've took something from that. And that with the same with me, like they've learned something from me and took something from me. Like I've got, I've been asked so many different questions by different branches of like, what's your thought about this? What's your thought about that? And I give it to them and I ask them the same things because. Again, even though we share, we wear different uniforms and we like march to different tunes and we have our different, you know, military songs for ourselves or whatever, we're still family. We still learn from each other, regardless of what it is. You know, our leadership styles may differ, but they may be similar in the way we do it. You know, it's just, it's just the language and the verbiage of how you do it. Yeah, I definitely hear that, man. I, I couldn't tell you because I, I, I joined our local VFW here where I'm at. I mean, everybody makes the jokes, you know. You, once you get past all the the same old jokes over and over again, you know, oh, Navy, thanks for the ride. And, you know, Marine Corps, you know, here's a box of crayons or whatever, and so on and so forth. But once you get past it, that, that initial invite and that meet and greet, it, it really it really gets deep, the I friendship. And my oldest brother was just bringing that up because he's been listening to these podcasts, too, and he He's like, I never understood it. And now that I'm hearing it for the first time through these podcasts, man, 
I'm starting to get it. I don't understand everything, but he's starting to understand it. For somebody who's known me, and I'm 30 uh, something, 37, we'll go with that one. Uh, 37. He's known me for 37 years. He's known me since I got out of active duty in 06, 07, up until today doing my active reserves and stuff. When I came home from active duty, he never understood the whole, my whole demeanor and the way that I am or anything like that. And he's had other guys in the military who are friends of his and they're like, he never understood that either. But now he's like, oh, now I'm starting to get it. So, I mean, it, it, it makes a big difference. And then you also brought up how your dad would deploy and stuff like that. And you've done three deployments on your own, one to Iraq and two to Kuwait. How was that for you? So with those experience and everything, uh, each deployment different depending on the circumstance that I was in. Obviously, Iraq, I was uh, <laughs> seven months out of school, seven months out of AIT, because mind you, I had joined, I joined, enlisted in 2006, in September of 2006. I was on the DEF program, which is the, uh, the delayed entry program. So I was already counting up my uh, my military time before I even joined now once, or before I even actually shipped out to boot. And then once I went to basic, I, shot, I went out to basic in February of that year, a father of the 07 was there until April. Yeah, was there. I had to figure out my months and everything like that. <laughs> but uh was there for the two months I was there for basic. And then the remainder time I was in uh, AIT, which is my specialty school, my job school, until September of 07. So seven months after I got out of school, I deployed to Iraq. And it, it was funny because me and my dad, we both have the same name. He's a junior, I'm the third. And so... I'm one day getting ready for drill. I remember this vividly. It was like 06 in the like 0530, 06 in the morning. I just finished making breakfast and everything like that for myself. I was in my uniforms and I was like, you know what? Let me check my email real fast because I want to see something real quick. Or I think I'm something I something just put put into my head to check my email. And so I go and I set my computer up and I get on my AKO, you know, because it was the email platform we were using that during that time frame. And I'm looking at it and it's, I see an email says orders for uh, order for deployment. And I'm like, <laughs> and I see, okay. I was like, what the hell is this? And then I opened the email and it said, uh, like special Salman, like you are hereby ordered to active duty to serve in consistency, blah, 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 for this assignment. And I'm like, <laughs> I look at the attachment and it's, it's an active duty order saying you're deploying to Baghdad, Iraq. And I was like, um, <laughs> you got the wrong guy. This was, this was in, I think it was May. No, it was in April. April when I saw this message. No, March. I think it was late March, early April when I saw this message, right? That you and I saw the email. As soon as I saw it, I sent the email to my dad because I emailed him, like, hey, dad, just got this order. Uh, not sure what's going on, but can you? I think this was meant for you, but it has my information. It's my social, it's my rank, it's my it's my full name. Can you tell me about this? Because when I looked at the, because I was looking at it and then like within five minutes, he sent me a message. He get, he He's on a call with me and he had a, he was able to get a sat phone. So he was able to call me and he told me, he goes, yep, looks like you're coming out here. Amber and Amanda here. We want to tell you about our good friends over at Scale Executive Search. Scale Executive Search is a veteran-owned and operated executive search firm serving aerospace, tech, and startups. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. 
Uh, and cause my dad was actually deployed. He deployed out two months before I did. So he was already, he was already in, in Iraq at that time from as well. So he deployed two months. I sent him an email. He calls me up. He goes, yep, you're coming out here. Looks like you're going to be over here. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, um, and he goes, just relax. It's when was the email that, when was the email date? Things like that. I'm like, well, the, the, I just got it today. And he goes, when was the email published? Or when was the, 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 the order published? And I was like, well, I don't know. He goes, well, look in the top right corner. So I looked in the top right corner. It was like February 14th. So I read the email. I got that email a month later, or I saw it a month later, like almost a month and a half later. And it was already published and said and everything like that. And here, here it is. Like, I'm just seeing it now in like March, April time. Frame. So, but so yeah, I get myself together. I had like two, three weeks to prep myself to go to Georgia and met my, met my unit because mind you, I was in a West coast, unit, right? Mm-hmm. I get deployed with an East coast unit at that time. So they literally took me from the West after I had just left Georgia, went back to California. And then I had to go back to Georgia to deploy the unit from, from Georgia. Um, we went out there and, uh, you know, yeah, I got my experience with them. It was a CID unit that I was working with and whatnot. I was doing their IT support for them and whatnot. So I go out there as a specialist. So my experience out there was, it was pretty, it was, in, it was interesting in the case, in the case of where I was at, like how I did, how I did my, work. obviously during that time frame when we were in Iraq, Baghdad was kind of being a target zone for a lot of shit that was going on. I mean, my first wake up call <clears throat> when I got to theater was actually five more, uh, four, five mortar rounds coming in and hitting the base. And I still remember the briefing that they gave us because when we got in, we got in like later, later around like 2300 in the evening. And they remember telling us, they're like, hey, look, here's the thing. Here's the washrooms. Here's the, the, the choose that you guys are going to be staying in. You got to assign shoes or whatnot. But here's the thing. When you get to where you're getting to, or if there's ever a case where you do hear an incoming, uh, you'll hear the alarms, you'll hear the sirens or whatever. If you do hear mortar rounds and you don't hear a siren, you do two things. Either one of two things. It's either drop if you're outside, you know, drop if you're outside, wait till you have an opportunity for clearance and then get to the nearest bunker. Or if you're close to a bunker, get into a bunker and take cover the entire time. Okay. And then wait for the all clear. Once you get done with the all clear, then you report you report to your respective units or uh, rally points or whatever. If you are inside of a, a a big steel building, or if you're inside of cover already as it is, like a building or whatever, stay in there. Don't leave. Again, wait for the all clear and then report to your units. So I was like, okay. So next morning we wake up. I wake up zero six in the morning. Get up. Literally turn to the side, set my feet down, and stand up. And all I hear is just five rounds. Incoming, 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 and then five rounds hit, and I'm like, "Did the C Rams not go off?" No, they didn't go off at that point. Oh, wow, because yeah. I, I, I we heard it, and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" I'm like, "Well, okay." So I sat back down and laid down for a bit, and I was like, "They said to stay in the room," so I stayed in the room for a bit. Got the all clear. Got back to the barracks. They got back to the office, and they're like, "Hey, where were you?" I'm like, "Hey, we had something happen. They said stay in the room. I did what they said." Did I do wrong? Did I do right? Did I? <laughs> I was like making sure that I didn't do anything wrong. They're like, no, no, we just we were just trying to make sure you're good. I'm like, yeah, no, I I did exactly what they said. They said stay inside. If you heard a boom, I heard a boom, and I stayed inside. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many times when we first got there and they told us you got to roll out of your bunk and then roll underneath it. And I was like, all right, me and my roommate because we were over in H six on Balad and. Um, we were doing that as well. So every time yeah. you'd, you'd hear that incoming, income, you know, we'd roll out and we'd roll underneath it. And probably because I was there from November 
or uh, was it November, September, something like that. Um, till I didn't come back till July of 2009. So we left in 08 and came back in nine and pretty much by like February, I was just like, you know what? If it's my time, it's my time. I'm not rolling out of bed again. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of hitting the ground. If it's my time, I'm gonna just screw yeah. and take me. Yeah, there was a time we were. I was in uh, H six, so we're in the housing area inside okay. of. So you're like inside of a base, inside of a base, and we were out on that smoke pit, man. And we heard the incoming, incoming, incoming. And we're like, all right, whatever. And we had the mortar drop right by us and blew up, man. It was like. That, that stuff still gets to me. You know, you think you're in a safe space because we're inside of the Air Force area. For for me, I'm like, oh, this is Air Force. We definitely have to be safe. And it was still something yeah. that went off. Did you guys, did, coming back, did you wind up having any type of issues at all? I know you said yeah. that you were there. And, then, and that's what I was actually going to get towards as far as a, uh, for the head of the half. Because, like, where I worked at, we actually had a CRAM, a CRAM that was actually right close by our building. So there was no shortage of time where that damn thing wasn't going off on a consistent basis. And they're loud. And then, yeah, it's real loud. And it's, it would shake, kind of shake our building a bit, quite a bit. And so with me, as far as with my instance and whatnot, been 12 years since I've been out and since I've been back, been to Iraq, I've been back from Iraq. And to this day, uh, I still can't do fireworks. Uh, usually I've tried to make some, made some attempts and everything to listen to fireworks to go and enjoy them. The first instance that kind of really hit me hard was actually when I got back the 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 week I got back, my family wanted to go to an Angels game. So because I'm originally from California, from Southern California, Riverside. <clears throat> yeah, from Riverside, lived in Monterey for about ten years, and then moved to Colorado before I came out here for Jersey for this assignment. And so when I was in Riverside, we went to an Angels game, a baseball game, one of my my favorite baseball teams, and went down there. We're having a good time, and. I didn't know about the fireworks show. I forgot about the fireworks show that they usually have. And usually what they do is if the angels wins, they have, and it's like, a, I think it was on Friday night, they'll have a fireworks show. Well, it was a Friday night, angels won. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching and everyone's getting up and they're like, hold on, wait, wait, they, we got a little, they got a little something going on. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm waiting. And then the fireworks start going boom. And then they start getting lights and they start getting brighter and they start getting more faster and faster. And everything kind of hit like real quickly because, again, with the CRMs going off uh, quite a bit when I was in Iraq, uh, being so close to the buildings and everything. Like my experience as far as with the mortar rounds and incomings like that were not to like the degree where it was like right next to you, like in a boat right next to you. But the base was hit. We with the base would be hit. I've seen the percussion. So I felt percussion sound from the actual blast because our post got hit. I was outside walking, just casually walking because I did a, a mission when I was in Kalsu. Casually walking from work to back to my room, stopped and I saw them at the stage that was there, like doing a little talent show. Stood there watching, and a mortar round comes and hits the base. Comes, hits the base, close enough where I felt it. I saw the flash, had dropped, ran, found the nearest bunker, and everything. Like after things was clear. Uh, another instance was when I was doing, I was doing this thing <clears throat> in, back in Iraq. Uh, they had the uh, the wounded warrior run. I'm not sure if you remember that, but them doing it. Not really. Uh, yeah. There were so many. They had so many five yeah. k's out there because they wanted to keep us with one fit, but busy and different things, trying to build, uh, you know, the morale and everything. Yeah, one of the one of the runs they did was the five k run, and I'm trying to remember if the logo that they had was like the spy versus spy logo or whatever. But uh, <laughs> basically, it was a wounded warrior 24 hour run. 
And so what they did is they had 24 hour period and you had like four, four, three, four or five teams that ran certain timeframes, like certain hours of that time. And that they would check back in once they finished their, their hours, their time hack, then the next team would run. Well, I remember running with my team, we came back and then the next group ended up shooting off to go do their part of the run. Well, they get asked, like somebody asks like, Hey, do you know where so-and-so is or major so-and-so is at? I'm like, Oh yeah, they just took off right now. Like I'll go run and try to catch up. I was kind of speedy at the time. So, you know, I was going to go try to catch, catch them as I'm running. As I'm running, all I hear is just the the, the freaking whistle, the loud whistle. That, and they're right where it was at. There was a water treatment plant that we had, and the water treatment plant gets hit, and I see it. So I the, that was the, at the was at the north end, the water treatment. I think. Yeah, it was like yeah. on your way. It's like just as you pass, like you're going towards Liberty. Yeah, you know? right where they have all those beautiful cases of free water. Love that place. Yeah, I, that water plant, that water plant got hit or got hit close by to it or something like that. But I saw the blast. Yeah, saw the blast, felt the percussion from it. And it kind of knocked me back because one, I was most certainly not expecting it. Um, two, body reaction, obviously body reaction. Your body's immediately going to react if you've gone through a certain circumstance, obviously more than once, you know. And so as soon as that happened, all I hear is like people yelling like calling out and I'm just bolting back. I'm trying to bolt back and everything to the group. And they're like, Hey, where's so-and-so like, we just had something happen. They're like, they're, they're probably running still. I try to catch, but I saw this. And so <clears throat> like I said, to this day, when I got back, fireworks have been an issue for me. Uh, I kind of developed a bit of hypervigilance, hyper, hyper aggression, kind of, kind of instances and things like that. I've had my, my fair share of dealing with bits of angst with my anxiety and everything from, from time to time, you know, but it's like trying to find methods and the coping instances that to help me, to help me deal with it. Like the fireworks thing is one of the biggest ones that I want to get past that I've been trying to get past. I've gotten better to the point where I can watch them from a distance, but I can look and be like, okay, that's, that's good. They're just lights. If I see it, if I can pinpoint it, because I'll have people ask me like, you can play video games all out and things like that. But yet when you see something like this, why, what's the difference? I'm like, the difference is because I know what's in front of me. I have control of this. I can hit the button and turn it off. You know, if I start getting anxious, I can turn, I can cut the video, cut the feed, turn off the sound. I can turn it off. And I see it with those kind of things. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how loud, I don't know how close it's going to be, you know, and then, cause like, I know when I got back, whenever I hear loud, loud, uh, large, like big old bangs or whatever, the first thing I do is reach. Like I try to reach. And, you know, when you're going a whole year holding a weapon at, on you at all times, you don't know what to expect. You know, you know, you always, your, your, your security is right here. But when you're home, it's like you reach and grab and you're like, like, I remember for like the first few months that I was home that I would hear loud noises. And the first thing I do is try to look for my weapon. And I'd go looking for my weapon. Like, I would be like, shit, like I get anxious and family would like family would try to talk me down. They would talk me down. They'd get me back into a mellow yellow kind of instance. But for a while, it did kind of mess me up a bit, you know. And then over the time, I had to figure out like my different coping mechanisms, things I can do to help me get myself out of that mentality. You know, now a lot has it's it's done better. I'm not saying that like I'm completely over my instances because they're still going to be there. I, well, I'm definitely saying for sure that I've gotten better at, have, I've found better ways of coping with how to deal with what I've been going through. You know? 
Yeah, man. And, that, uh, and then the other two deployments, I tell people it's to Kuwait. It was an Arab jump. So the two I don't, don't want to not Kuwait. I don't want to AJ man headquarters. You're eating Carl's Jr. and <laughs> I love I love hey, I love AJ. I love AJ. You know, I did a lot of things. I did a lot of good things helping like soldiers. I was I was in charge of the salsa classes out there. So and I taught boxing out there. So I tell people it's like when I went to AJ, it was a timeshare. So like it's a everybody knows about Kuwait. He did just say he was doing salsa classes, just so people know. Yes. Uh, and, and, Kuwait, if you make it though, um, not AJ, Ali, uh, yeah. Ali Asalim, you you can still see the bunkers that Saddam mortared the shit out of. You can see these things like just blown to bits, and yeah. it's it's pretty cool looking at the same time scary that you know there were people on these bases when saddam invaded uh kuwait i wound up going to the kuwaiti uh when we were up in iraq we were i, I wound up going back <clears throat> so i did 08 09 i wound up going back volunteering of course i did 2011 to 2012 and that's when we were doing the big drawdown we were shutting down all the bases as we were leaving so as we were shutting down a lot we were one of the, the major units we were leaving and then they had obviously uh, the army following behind the Navy to make sure that we're all okay. Leaving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we wound up down at Camp Virginia and Camp, okay. uh, what was the other one? Camp Buring and Camp yeah, AJ Ali Asalim, all the different places we kind of got split up. But while we were at Virginia, they wound up asking who wants to go for Thanksgiving, who wants to go to um, the, the Kuwaiti National Guard, whatever. I'm like, another base? Eh, all right. So we wind up going and it's this beautiful, lush, grassy place. And it's a palace that we were hanging out at. They had all these hookah setups and stuff. I was like, is, is this what you guys have been doing this whole time? Are you kidding me right now? I still remember the first thing I did when I saw grass out there. I legitimately like I saw it. My mouth dropped, got a little teary eyed for a minute. And I went and laid in it like no bullshit. I Because I was like. I took off my boots. I put my feet down. I uh, I went and laid in it. I snuggled my face in it. My face was itchy <laughs> hell afterwards. I'm like, I don't care. Like I was like going like rub me in it. And it's like at that point, my brain was like, sorry, major. I'm sorry, but this is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, I wound up at uh, Buring for a little bit on my, my second time out there. We got moved from there because they were asking who they needed guys at headquarters because some of our our unit was going to be ripping out. Another unit we got with uh, was going to be ripping out of headquarters and they were running the Warriors Warehouse, they call it, for like the Navy guys who are leaving Iraq, Afghanistan. They're doing like the bag drops and stuff like that and they were leaving Kuwait, so doing the gear drop. So like we need somebody to run the supply of that. I was like, yeah, I'll go. Me and like like three other guys were like, yeah, sure, we'll go. So you had me, I'm a bosun mate, and a bosun mate, for anybody who doesn't know, we paint, we sweep, we do a bunch of goofy stuff on on the on the, the ships. We do a lot of like maintenance and stuff like that. We land okay. helicopters, do small boat ops, we do a lot of stuff. But then you had a an engine man who does exactly like it sounds, they work on engines. We had an MR who makes gears and I thought he was a woodworker for a minute. No, sorry, I'm thinking he's a woodworker, you know, because you know one of those names that are like opposite of what they do. <laughs> so then we had an MR who does exactly that. He he builds gears and sprocket. If you need a piece, he's able to cut it and make it. And then we okay. had a gunner's mate who does 
armory stuff and works on guns. So you have these four nitwits who have been in some goofy stuff together and been working and they drop us at headquarters with a supply unit and we're none of us know anything about supply and they're like you're in charge because you've been asking questions i was like that's because i'm an idiot and i don't know what we do (laughs) that's the only reason and nobody else cares they're like well you're in charge i'm like what so So here i am this E5 who get a, a leading petty officer position who's normally supposed to be an E6. And, right. and all of a sudden I get all these E6s. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is he in charge of these things? Why does he an LPO? They're like, because he volunteered. I'm like, I still don't know what I'm doing. So luckily, <laughs> oh, we, were AJ. Uh-huh. luckily we were at AJ so we can get some Carl's Jr. and try and figure this crap out. But so, uh, you're still doing your um, – what we in the Navy call full-time support. So you're kind of, you're a guard, but you're filling an active duty billet. We call it full-time support in the Navy and FTS. Uh, they're, they're reservists that wind up taking it on these positions. And it's a very, very vital part of, of our military. Now that you're kind of back stateside, what, what have you found to be your greatest achievement outside of the military? Okay. So, well, I wanted to back, back up to where you were talking about going to AJ, like doing the job, or doing the job that you had no idea what you did in uh-huh. 2016, because I was in AJ in 16 and in 18, right? But almost back to that kind of instance. In 18, I worked with the medical hospital that was out there. So I worked IT for them. But in in 16, I worked uh, for a signal command, right? You think 25, 25 Bravo IT guy working signal jobs for a signal command? Nope. They gave me project manager. They were like, they, I asked him the first question I asked him, I was like, uh, what's a project manager? <laughs> They're like, don't, worry, don't worry about it. You're, you're, you're probably not going to do that when we just needed to put a position in someone so we can fill it. I'm like, oh, okay, so cool. I'm going to get my IT position that you guys called me to work for. And I asked if I wanted to come because I come and help you guys with, right? Because you need an E6 IT guy. Cool. We get out there, same thing. We're listing all positions. They go to uh, G37, uh, products team. Major so-and-so, master so-and-so, staff starting on the month, staff starting so-and-so. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you guys said I was supposed to be in the IT shop. They're like, no, 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 you're right here. I'm like, what is the what is a project manager? And they're like, oh, well, you're pretty much the guy with the clipboard. You just need to make sure that the, they follow the, the stuff that they need to do. I'm like, oh, well, is that it? And they're like, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, okay, sounds easy enough. First meeting I go into, I'm going with this captain. And we're talking, we're having a conversation, and they're talking about the meeting, and they're talking about projects that are actually going going along throughout the area. So like MPLS systems, DK81 systems, uh, JRSS, uh, JRSS, things like that. Those implementations that we're putting at different installations. I'm like looking around, confused, like blank stare. Like you know when Joey, you know when Joey from Friends, when he's like when everyone's having a conversation, they're like, yeah, like <laughs> maybe we could talk about Vietnam or the. Yeah. Volcano. I probably understand more of like more conversations about Vietnam than I would understand what the color we were talking about there, you know, and I've obviously never been in Vietnam, but, but I, I, they asked me like, we come out of the project, the meeting and I'm like, so the, uh, the captain goes, so how do you feel about signing for like 76, like $76,000 worth of equipment? And I laughed at him. And I'm like, sir, you're funny. He goes, what makes you think I'm joking? I'm like, the fuck? It's like, uh, what? He goes, yeah, this is your project. So you have to make sure that this happens. I'm like, um, okay. Again, I have no idea what a project manager is. I'm still trying to figure out where my clipboard is at that they were talking about, you know, because I didn't get a clipboard when I came in. So it's like, it makes no sense to me. 
Well, don't worry. They're going to take it out of your paycheck because you never turned one back in. Because at the end of the year is when I finally started learning my job. And I was like, okay, so this is what exactly a project manager does. And then I had to hand it over to someone else. It's like, well, that was worthless. <laughs> but uh, no, but yeah, going back. And yeah, I just wanted to like, because it just reminded me of that same situation. Because like being put in the job, you have no idea what it is. You just happen to be the seat that fills it because it was the seat that you filled. Uh, but yeah, no, but going back as far as it, like, what have I done? Like, so what I've done so far that has been like my greatest achievement so far. Yes, sir. So, so my biggest instance is like, again, like I said, it's the camaraderie that I've been able to build with a lot of these soldiers and things like that. My, the, the connections with individuals that I've never would have thought I've met, I would have met, but that I have now. And then uh, definitely for sure will say getting an opportunity to be in long enough where I, and this is like a proud moment. If I get choked up, I apologize. My youngest. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah. It's all you. My, uh, my youngest brother, my, my youngest brother, my baby brother just joined the service. So he's actually in. And I remember like, I remember days like I would talk to him and I'd be like, Hey dude, like you go, he would tell people like, is a brother when you, when you, when do you and daddy going to be coming back home from saving the world? And like, brother, we'll be back home soon. We'll do this and we'll do that. My baby brother. Now he's 17 years old. <clears throat> he just enlisted for a five-year contract with the army. And it's like, I know how my dad felt. You know, because now he was able to share this connection with me. Now I know how he felt because I get to share the same thing with my youngest brother. And the cool thing about it is being on the East Coast, he's going, he, he, he's joining the same job that I do. He's working on, he's an IT guy. He's right down the way. I can just drive to his basic, watch him graduate. I could drive down to a schoolhouse, watch him graduate because I know exactly what he's going to go through. And so I think that's like one of the, one of the biggest accomplishments, the achievements for me is being in long enough to, to say I can serve with my baby brother, like my youngest brother. That's awesome. Man. And, you know, but also being able to help mentor other soldiers and other people, making connections with other folks. Again, like I said, I never thought I would, especially here now with like with TikTok. I mean, TikTok, like you said, TikTok has a vast, vast military community here, a veteran population, a veteran community just in general. And I, I don't know how, how it happened, but supposedly like folks have been told on a number of occasions by different people that I have become a huge voice for the military community that's out here. I mean, I get tagged in so many military videos from a lot of folks, comments, my, my reactions, my this, my that, my opinions on them. And to me, I'm like, I'm just staff sergeant Aleman in the army. I'm here in Jersey working on computers. Like, like it still kind of like throws my, like throws my mind for a whirl. Because it's like, how am I a, bo- a voice, like a huge voice for a veteran community that's so vast and so huge? And then I'll have people yeah. tell me, it's like, just like you said, like, I'll stand up for those who like, who need it, like as far as like the youngster, you know, I'll put the word out. I'll address concern, I'll address certain things that need to be addressed, even from a distance, because even though facial hair, the hair and everything like that, I still do what, I, when it comes time to do what I need to do and make sure I stay right, I stay right. One instance, uh, there was a video that circulated about a soldier or someone who got out of service. He flipped the colors on his flat on his uniform, and he actually showed. Yeah, he showed it, and I I ripped into it. I, I saw red, I ripped into it. I'm like, I don't personally like if if people want to do that stuff on their own time. Constitution states that it's a freedom of speech. It's an act. It's a, a an example of freedom of speech. I don't agree with it, but it's okay. That's perfectly fine. We can have our disagreements. People can do what they need to do accordingly. But if I see a Joe doing that, flipping colors on a uniform 
something that I heard people, they don't understand that you're not doing that as a reflection of yourself. You're doing that not only as a reflection of yourself, but you're doing that as a reflection of everyone in the service. You know, a some something so small, when you may think it's so small, it has a huge impact. And it's I even, to see that and be like, okay, the army is turning their back and think that because of what that uniform signifies or say, oh, the army's not for this either. They they didn't. I think it was because of uh, the, the election or whatever it was. Yeah. But like you, you can't do that. That's a lot of guys got in trouble because I had to do a fucking training because of these idiots. We had to do the terror, terror, whatever training because of, of these nitwits. Like, thanks a lot, guys. Now that you, because you're idiots and flipping your flags or telling people you're not going to take orders from Biden or whatever it was. It's like, guess what? You signed that dotted line. You have a job to do and you're going to do it. You don't have to follow unlawful orders. So if somebody says, hey, shoot these civilians, then, yeah, you don't do that. Yeah. But if it's morally or lawful. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. You got it. No, I was gonna say if it's if it's morally or ethically wrong, then yeah, obviously you you don't have to do it. You have to abide by you abide by what according what's in accordance. If it's not those, if it doesn't fall against those two lines, then you, you have to do it. We we knew what we were signing up for. We knew there's going to be a change in leadership, even with a change in well, like how long we're in. If you join and you want to stay in during your term, during you want to your you want to stay in for the term of your president that you like. Hey, no one's stopping you. But if you continue on, you have to understand our boss is always going to change. Yep. We may not agree with some of the stuff that they say, you know, but we still have to abide by it because it is what we signed up for. And it was good with the, and like I said, going back to the, the whole thing about, you know, mentoring soldiers, I meant like I, I had a conversation with them. I actually talked to the soldier. He was prior service. He got out. He was medically discharged and everything like that. But me and him had an actual sit down conversation. We actually did a video call. Cause he asked me, can you take the video down? And I told him like, look, I'm not coming at you with disrespect. I wasn't trying to come at you with disrespect. And I'm going to be honest. I apologize if I did, if I got, I am going to be honest with you. I got hot when I saw what happened, not because of the fact that you flipped the colors, but the fact that you are, you as a prior service individual flipped the colors on a uniform that I still wear. Cause again, I told him the same thing. I'm like, you don't, you're not just doing this for your thing right now. When you show that uniform, you're showing all of us, you know? So I appreciate you. Like, hearing me out and understanding that you know you did sign an oath you know if it doesn't apply to you anymore then it doesn't apply to you anymore really it does but people would disagree you know because like you know god forbid a draft happens what do you think they're gonna call but it's like the thing is is like you represent the services by putting that uniform in frame just like when people do just like how when they say like hey is the main thing is you can do your social media like with the folks to do social media with the uniform as long as they're not doing things to discredit the service, that's good. There are some Joes out there that are like, hey, guy, like, come on. Like, really? Like, yeah. me, I don't, I, I've thought about it. I, I'll be honest. Like, I've thought about it from time to time about doing content in uniform and things like that. You know, mail talk kind of stuff. Because it's funny. Like, we have our instances as long as it abides by what it needs to. But at the same case, when you were describing the video, the, the Valhalla video, the separation of how I did it was basically showing it's like, look, this is the background that I am. This is me. This is how like this is my personal instance. But when it comes to the point of showing when it's time to do what I need to do, I'm gonna stand call like stand to my call accordingly. You know, I like to keep certain military things to certain military things and certain, you know, 
fun stuff connection. So I want folks to be able to connect to my content or however they see fit. If they just see constant military stuff, then they're going to think, okay, this person only talks military. It's like, no, I talk to everybody across the board. No, and that that it really rings true, man. And that's why I, I dig Dirty Bird Fitness, Infantry Guru. A lot of you guys that are kind of still having fun, having your fun, doing your content, but at the same time, it's like we still see you out there. I know there's a, I think there's an Army female colonel. I've watched her. I follow yeah. her. A lot of military guys. That Army guy. A couple of other ones. And there is, and then of course our mutual friend Adam Fiegel. Yeah, gotta love the Fiegel. Gotta love the recall roster. Give him a big the shout. Fiegel, out. The Fiegel lands. The Fiegel when the Fiegel lands. The Fiegel lands. He started a podcast as well, and uh, I I seem like a little bit, and he gets a little bit more into the military side. I know he went after the uh, sergeant major. No, what is it? The master sergeant of the Air Force, the female one. Uh, cause of some of her content she put out or comments she made. Um, he, he gets a little bit more angry with it. As you can see, uh, article 15, which you will get if you keep flipping your flags around. I, I, I try to figure out what's going on with vets a little bit more, try to put the information out there for vets who think that they are alone, as well as now I figured that it's, it's reaching civilians who didn't understand what was happening and now are getting a better idea. Yeah. And that that's pretty much where we're at. We're going to be wrapping it up here. Pedro, again, man, keep doing what you are doing, sir. I love your content. When you get like the little demons back and forth going, just it's you in both videos. Yeah. I'm just like a lot of it. It's great content, man. It, I really appreciate what you do. And then your leadership in and out of the uniform. Greatly appreciate you, brother. Thank you so very much for coming on to article 15. Yeah. Yeah, man, I I was when I got that email from uh, Ellie, I was yeah. like, yeah. "Wait, who is this?" And they're like, "Oh, it's Pops." I was like, "I'm telling no you, that, way. that woman, she's she's done a lot for me. Like she she's helped center me in ways like that. I, I definitely need, you know. I, right. I owe her a debt of gratitude for who she is because of how much I care about her too. Last bit, couple yeah. of uh, the non for profits that you wanted to hit up. Go ahead. Uh, so definitely for sure, uh, the What Makes Us Fire organization, they provide inpatient mental health support uh, services for first responders from fire, Leo, or fire, Leo, medical, EMS, EMT, to military current serving in that uh, prior service. So that way, if they need a support, getting uh, financial support with, you know, going to the clinics or finding organizations that help them, they'll provide those services for that, for that person and lo- along with the financial support for the families or things like that. Because they want to make sure that people get the support that they need without having to go to the haggle of like a long awaited lines or not get the appropriate time frame from getting what they need. Or even just if they need to talk to someone, they can go there. Recall roster, obviously for a fact, because, you know, recall rosters, it's that voice. It's it's someone, it's a battle buddy that's, that you can call and talk to. You yeah. know, it's, it's an opportunity to connect because they connect you with like uh, like services, like branches. Uh, like occupations where it's like your ranks, your MOS style, uh, even like the first responder side as well, too. They cover on those aspects as well. Mission 22, Mission 22, Battle 22, uh, Canines for Vets, um, Wounded Warrior Project, of course. And then, of course, uh, my biggest one that I like to contribute to is like St. Jude's. St. Jude's is another nonprofit and or is another organization that I like to uh, give services to as well. Awesome. You know? 
again, Pedro. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, man. All right, you too. It's Wednesday, so it will be uh, Whiskey Wednesday tonight. Hey, on his whiskey Wednesday tonight, every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Every Wednesday. Easter All right, <laughs> <laughs> All right man.